This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. Shavua Tov, everybody out there, and welcome to ChaiFM.com, where we learn Torah on air, and uh, we try to share some Torah insight, Torah being that book of life, that um, source of information that teaches us who we are, what we are, what our purpose is, where we should be going, and what life is all about. And I hope you will join me for the next hour while we go journeying. Yes, we are journeying with our forefather Abraham on Parshat Lech Lecha, which starts out with the verse of Lech Lecha, go out from yourself, journey from, your, uh, from yourself to, to, uh, and leave your father's place, leave your birthplace, leave your land, and go out to a land that I'm going to, sh- uh, go, going to show you. And this really was the first and most important uh, journey that the first Jew, Abraham, our forefather, took. And it's something that should and must resonate for, with us today in today's times and has already re- resonated with us in all the many, many journeyings that the Jewish people have taken. And undeniably, we're probably one of the best-traveled nations of the world. We certainly have found ourselves in every nook and cranny of the universe and uh, um, really, I think, transversed almost every single country that there is on this planet. And not just by mistake or just because circumstance has, has, has done that to us, but rather because as Jews we have a higher calling um, being the descendants of Abraham Avinu, being descendants of our forefather Abraham, we have a calling to go out and light up the world and be a light unto the nations. And so in the greatest scheme of things, we are a people who will have found ourselves, <coughs> excuse me, in various places, in various times. And it is there that not only did we proliferate and become um, a greater people and produce much, much more in terms of, um, of Torah, in terms of giving to that country, but being there in order to elevate what we know in Kabbalistic terms to be called Nitzutzim, the sparks um, of godliness that were scattered into all four corners of this world. We're told that when, when Adam Harishon, when Adam, the first man, um, sinned and God gave him the punishment that he would now be mortal and that he would have to work very, very hard to elevate the world. What happened at that point in time, there was a, um, a, a breaking forth, a splintering of um, the soul of Adam and everything that Adam had to elevate into the rest of this world, into the rest of the world. And the job of the Jew, and that is really primarily why we have journeyed from place to place, is for us to go and collect those sparks, elevate those sparks, find those sparks, and so to speak, return them back to the primordial light, back to the essence of where they belong. And uh, the good news is that we are very, very close to the completion of the gathering in of those sparks and really sitting at the cusp of a new era, which in Judaism we call the Messianic era, the era where all the negativity that we find around us is going to be dispelled and we're going to usher in a, a uh, era, a time of peace and of harmony, of health, of, of goodness and kindness, of uh, longevity, 
um, of peace between the nations. Um, and whilst, you know, um, even while I'm saying these things, kind of like rolling my eyes towards myself saying, <clears throat> well, that sounds like, you know, pie in the sky. Look at the world around us today. Um, honestly, if you really look beneath it all, you, you will, you will see this goodness starting to, to come out. And it's coming out in the form of technology. It's coming out, um, in the, in, in, in the advantages we have now with medicine. Um, it's coming out in many, many, many ways. It is being clouded by the, the craziness of the world, the negativity of the world. But it's kind of almost like negativity is having its last thrashing. You know, when something is about to die, it will thrash around, trying to find every last vestige of air or anything that it needs in order to remain alive. And that is really what negativity is doing today. It's thrashing itself, its last vestiges out. Um, so when we do perceive the world, we do see it as quite a, an uncomfortable place, and I'm being really polite about it. Um, but the reason why it is doing so is because we have almost basically finished up our journeying, our uh, transversing the length and the breadth of this world and elevating all the lost sparks that... Um, that was scattered at the beginning of time. And soon, very, very soon, and when I'm talking very, very soon, I'm not talking 100 years from here or 50 years here or not even 20 years from now, not even maybe 10 years from now. I'm talking as in right now, happening in front of our eyes, we are going to see a revolution taking place where eventually evil and negativity and all that is abhorrent to us will have its final death and we will be able to usher in a world of peace. And all of this journeying, elevating, teaching, bringing light into the world was something that our forefather Abraham did, um, he being the progenitor of the Jewish people, being the source of the Jewish people. It says, Ma'ase Avot, Siman Lebanim, that that which our forefathers did was a... A, a sign for what would happen in the future with his children. And we have, as we are going to be going into the verses, see and understand that just like Abraham had to walk the length and the breadth of the land of Israel, had to wander around and bring the word of God and the word of truth to the rest of the world, so too it has been the mission of each and every single Jew um, since then, till now, um, it has been our job that we take our sphere of influence and we look what we can do to elevate, to bring closer, to illuminate um, our surroundings and um, flooded with goodness and kindness. And so we're going to go for a little bit of a break. And when we get back, we're going to get stuck back into the travels of our forefather, Abraham. <laughs> This is Mystical Text with Abel Kazilski. We are known as the people of the book. We are literary connoisseurs, consumers of words and prose, and sharers of ideas. In short, we are readers. HiFM is starting a book club, and would like, would you like to be one of the HiFM book club readers? You'll receive a book every month to review on the radio for our listening community. It's social. It's fun. And it's mentally enlightening. We're looking for people with a wide range of reading topics and genres. So please get in touch. Email books at chayafem.com. 
And we are going to go back into the original book, the book of Genesis, one of the five books of Moses. And we are going to follow the journeying of our forefather, Abraham. As always, I welcome dialogue, questions, comments on anything that I say or that you want to ask on the topic. Our telegram number is 61 895-1019 and our SMS number 34519. So come on, don't be shy. Join the conversation. We are going to take off in chapter five on verse, in verse five. Um, and we are going to see now that once Abraham has got the calling to go out and journey, that he does so indeed. And the verse reads as follows, Vayikach Avram. Um, et Sarai Ishtoi, ve et Lot ben Achiv, ve et Kol Rechusham Asher Rachashu. So it says here, let me just translate a little bit. And Abraham took et Sarai Ishtoi, Sarai, his wife, ve et Lot ben Achiv, Lot, his nephew, ve et Kol Rechusham, and everything, all the property that they had amassed, ve et Hanefesh Asher Asub Haran, and all the souls that they had made in Haran, they left and they started walking towards the land of Canaan, Vayavo Arta Canaan, and they landed, they, they, they come into the land of Canaan. So here is the actual verse that tells us how Abraham himself moved from Haran, where he stayed, and how he um, brings his wife, his nephew, and in fact, everything that he owned, which was a sign that he wasn't hesitant at all. He wasn't going and saying, you know, I'm going to move, but before I move, what's going to happen is I'm going to leave behind my property. I'm maybe going to leave behind a couple of policies. I'm going to leave some things just in case it doesn't, it doesn't uh, work out. In fact, he takes absolutely everything with him. And in truth, he also takes Every body, um, he starts moving himself towards the land of Canaan, which later becomes known to us, as we know in modern terms, the land of Israel, which just, by the way, um, allows for no dispute as to who was in the land of Israel first and who it was promised to. It's in black and white. We don't need too much commentary over here. Um, it is in the, the, the physical verses of the fact that God promises us the land of Israel. Um, and God says the following, and here it is um, <clears throat> in black and white. Verse 6 first says, Vayavo Avraham Ba'aretz. Avraham traveled through the land, Ad Mekom Shechem, to the place called Shechem, Ad Elon More to the place of Elon More, Vehaknani Azbaaretz, and the Canaanites were then in the land. And I'm going to explain what that means. But just to follow verse, verses seven and eight, Vayera Hashem El Avram, God appears to Avram, Vayomer, and he says to him, Listen here out, Lazaracha Eten Etaaretz Hazot, to your offspring, I am going to give this Land. So here we've got the promise that the land of Israel um, is the land that is given to the Jewish people by God, not by any UN resolution, not by any type of international convention or intervention. It was given to us by God himself. 
black and white, no need for any type of uh, explanation. Vayiven sham mizbeach lahashem hanire elav. And when um, Avram hears these words that this is the land that I am going to give to your offspring, he builds a um, altar to God, to the God that appears to him. Vayatek misham hahara. He then moves on from there towards the mountain. Mikedem lebeit el, east of Beit el. Vayet ohalo Beit el, and he sets up his tent. Beit el miyam. Beit el is now to the west. Vhaai mikedem, and a place called Ai is to the east. Vayiven sham mizbeach laHashem, and he builds two. A Mizbeach, um, an altar to Hashem, and there too he calls um, in the name of Hashem. And then Vayisa Avram Haloch Venasor Hanegba. Avram continues traveling, constantly moving towards the south. So here we can see kind of the movement, the 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 impermanence of Avraham's sojourn. Um, in that he explored the entire land that God gave to him and that God promised that he would give to Abraham's descendants moving forward. Let's go back a little bit and dissect these um, verses a little bit more because we can understand somewhat more um, about these ideas. Firstly, it's very interesting that it says, Vayikach Avram et Sarai ishtoi, that Sarai, his wife, he took Sarai, his wife, with him. Um, it would be kind of like understood that if Avraham was told to move, that he wouldn't leave without his wife. But we are told here, we learn here in the Midrash, that Av- it says, Vayikach Avram means that Avraham took his wife Sarai in a gentle in a pleasant way, and um, we're taught by the rabbis that this teaches that a man should not try to talk his wife into leaving her home to settle in another city without her, her coming of her own free will. And this is exactly what Abraham did, and um, he explained that God had asked him to move, that the people of Haran were wicked, that it was not good to live amongst them, and as a result, Sarai agreed to go. Now, What's interesting about this verse is then, obviously, there's the context in which Abraham is asking his wife Sarai to leave, um, and his his nephew Lot comes, but also um, the people, etanefesh, asher asur all the people that they had brought closer to God in Haran also came with them. So this was kind of quite a big exodus from the land of Haran, we're told that um, Abraham would go out and speak to the men. And Sarah was very much part of her husband's life, um, his viewpoint, what he wanted to get out of life. And she was his partner in everything they did. And it says that Abraham um, spoke to the men, Sarah to the woman, bringing both of, of men and women to true belief in God, and that is why um, they too, these people, left and joined Abraham when they decided to make the move. Now, the way that this verse is described is quite strange because it says, that the, the people that they had made in 
in, in Haran. And the rabbis pick it up because how do you make people? Maybe you should have said these are the people that they converted in Haran, that these are the people that they uh, um, uh Convinced in Haran, they made followers of them. Why, why are we actually using the word made or acquiring or amassing? So the Midrash goes and teaches that um, when one extends oneself and one teaches another person, particularly in the realm of Torah, it applies everywhere, but particularly in the realm of Torah, where you're really giving a person a perspective on life. You're maybe even giving them life themselves in terms of giving them a paradigm in which to live their lives. It is as if you have acquired them, you have made them. Um, it is as if they are your children. Um, it says in the Midrash that Rav Leazar said, if all the nations united to create even a single insect, they could not endow it with life. But here, um, we are told that Abraham and Sarah, the, the people that they made came out of Haran. So this is to teach a person that when a person brings any person, even, <clears throat> even one of, not of your, of, of your own, um, cloth of your own religion, if a Jew brings a Gentile, if a Jew brings a Jew, if you bring another human being nearer to God, um, it is as if you have created them. And that is why they have the word asa. Because asa um, in Hebrew made implies that you bring an object into the ultimate state of perfection. And this is really what they did. And the Talmud um, in Avodah Zorah, <clears throat> in, the, in the chapters of Avodah Zorah, notes that there was a tradition that Abraham was 52 years old when he began going out, making, acquiring, changing the souls, the people that he found in Haran. And um, that, those, that, that, that time actually marked the end of the first 2,000 years of that were void of Torah. Okay, um, let's understand this a little bit more. So we know that Abraham was born in the year 1948 of the Hebrew calendar, okay, 1,948 years after creation was when Abraham was born. And he was 52 years old in the year 2000 of the Hebrew calendar. We are today in 5,799, just to get it in perspective. From 1948, from the time he was born, to the year 2000 is 52 years. And we are told that there is 2,000 years of void, 2,000 years of Torah, and then 2,000 years of redemption, of bringing the world to its perfection. So in the first 2,000 years, um, the 52, first 52 years of his life was um, de dedicated and given over to taking the people out of Haran. Now what happens? Avraham leaves and he embarks, he goes out to the land of Canaan and here starts the next 2,000 years, which is now the understanding of Torah and the giving up, giving over of Torah to people. Now you could argue that the Torah was only given at Har Sinai, at Mount Sinai, 
But we are told that our forefathers, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, knew the entire Torah. And in fact, they practiced the Torah. We will see later on that when the, the Malachim came, Abraham was baking matzahs because he was celebrating Pesach. There's all sorts of inferences of, of the, the forefathers keeping the Torah. So when Abraham starts, um, start, starts his journey, he had already, um, brought into the fold people who started believing in one entity, in the unity of God and in the word of God. So this is why they use the word Asher um, Haran. Um, they made them in Haran because they actually brought people back. And we still hold it today that if you are a teacher or you are somebody who is able to influence somebody else and you change that person's um World for the better. It is considered as if you've created a whole world. It is considered um, as if you have saved a whole world. And not only that world, specific world of of um, of that person, but obviously the generations that move after them. So Abraham comes into the land. First, he comes into a place called Shechem. Shechem is still around today. Um, one can go and visit it, though it is quite treacherous just in terms of the of modern day politics. But Shechem is around. There is a place called Elon More um, today as well um, that was named exactly after what we understand in the Bible. And we are told Haknani Az Ba'aretz. The Canaanites were then in the land. So we are told that after the flood. Um, for those that have been following the podcasts, the world was divided into three parts because Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Yafet. And each of them took a portion. And we are told that the land of Israel was in the portion of Shem. But then Ham had a son called Canaan. Okay. And Ham's son waged war. He came into the portion of Shechem, and he forcibly conquered the area. And that's why the Torah is saying at that point in time, Haknani Az Ba'aretz. The Kananim were then, um, they were the ones that was, that, that were found, um, at that time. So that, that's just an interesting historical fact about the, um, who was residing, um, in there. Now, there is an entire story about the fact that the king of Salem, of Yerushalayim, um, which was part of Shem, had sovereignty over Canaan. You can, you can look it up. His name was Malki Tzedek. Okay? He's identified in the Talmud as such. Um, and this is whom Ham, um, Canaan, the son of Ham, waged war against, which is, which is pretty, which is pretty interesting. Then we go on that we see a very interesting word that tells us that there is a change in the dialogue that Abraham has with God. We have the words, Vayera Hashem al-Avram, God appeared to Avram. Now, why is this significant? Um, because before Abraham had a dialogue with God, but it was like it was a sense of him understanding what God wanted of him or God spoke to him, but he never appeared to him. And it seems that once 
Abraham transversed over into the land of Israel, his spiritual stature, the ability for him to understand spirituality and communicate with spirituality went on a much higher level. And it was here then that God appeared to Abraham. And when God reinforces and commits again, to your, your, your descendants, I am going to give this land. And it, God came to him in an appearance. He, he saw God. Um, this is what caused Abraham to, to, to build a misbeh, to build an altar and thank God. And then he moves from place to place. He moves from there to the mountain east of Beth El. He sets up his tent and then with Beth El, um, being in the west and I in the east, he builds another one and then he travels further and he constantly um, moves around. So Abraham, albeit that it probably was a very disorientating and very disruptive way of life, it was a nomadic way of life, he derived much inner security from this experience because he knew there was nothing like having divine inspiration and understanding that God is with you um, every moment of your life. And so he walks around the land of Israel, um, moving some Midrashim say, uh, Midrash says that he only resided in every one place for no more than a month where he would set up shop and he would find himself between places. He never actually went and stayed in a city, but between places because there he would be able to connect with the people that were traveling in and around uh, places, and that was where he was able to attract uh, the majority of people. And the question really we need to ask ourselves is not only um, are we the, um, like, ha- have we been and we are the people that follow in Abraham's footsteps and we have now really transversed the entire world, but is there a deeper meaning to us understanding what it means um, walking the, la- the, the length and the breadth of the land of Israel. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. And we're back, and just before the break, I asked the question, what is it that we as Jewish people in the year 2019, can we learn from Avraham other than understand from historical perspective that we have mimicked uh, the, 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 the travels of Abraham Avinu, by not while Abraham Avinu traveled the land of Israel, we have actually traveled the entire world. I'm not sure if anybody actually has thought about that. Um, I don't know if you have any comments or any thoughts on it. Please share on the SMS number 34519 or Telegram 0618951019. Do you see yourself... Do you see the destiny of our people following, as the Torah said, Maase Avot Siman Labanim, what our forefathers did became a sign for the, what would happen um, for the generations that come, that we Jewish people have transversed every corner of this world and have lived in almost every single country that there is on this planet. Surely then there has to be a much deeper significance to it. 
And uh, in the introduction of today's show, we, I spoke a little bit about the fact that one of the reasons we are scattered around, amongst the nations and around the world is because we are gathering netzitzim. We are gathering sparks of godliness that got splintered and scattered when um, the the um, when Adam was in the Garden of Eden and there was this uh, um, sin that caused Adam to fall from a very, very high level into a mortal man as, as we know today. What I'd like to discuss, though, even deeper is what is this traveling specifically about the land of Israel? Well, on a practical level, we are told that that's how people defined their um, their property, that once you transverse and you cross over and you um, demarcate your territory, that territory is yours. Very similar, Lahavdil, um, as our, we know our, our friendly uh, four-legged animals do. Our dogs, when they want to say, look, this is my space, they'll go around and demarcate it. So Abraham was demarcating um, the space and everywhere that he walked became part of the Yerusha, the inheritance of the land of Israel. But there are many, many verses that talk about the significance of the land of Israel and how Israel as a land is far more important than any other other land, any other country that we find. And not only is it far more important, but living there um, bears a greater responsibility and a greater significance. I just want to share with you three um, three comments found in the Gomorrah. One says, whoever lives in Eretz Israel is like one who has a God, and one who lives outside the land of Israel is like one who has no God. We're going to explain, so hang on, hang on your horses there. In Bava Basra it says, the la- very air of Eretz Israel makes one wise. And in Ketuvot it says, whoever walks for cubits in the land of Israel is assured that he will merit the world to come. And obviously, again, with all of these verses, there is, um, and one can look at them practically and can look at them on a very um, simple level, or one can understand them in a much, much deeper level. And really, the argument, the the, the primary argument one can give is, why would Walking around in the land of Israel allow you to merit the world to come. What's wrong with outside the land of Israel? And why would the land, the air of the land of Israel make you wise? Honestly, we've checked the quality of air. That really hasn't, you know, um, doesn't seem that there's much difference. And also, most importantly, how can you say one who lives in the land of Israel is like one who has a God and one who doesn't live in the land of Israel is like one who has no God? Surely if we look around the diaspora that has, so to speak, sustained us for the last 2,000 years, we see yeshivot, we see Torah giants, we see education, we see Jewish people um, proliferating and growing in unbelievable numbers when we had the golden age of Spain, um, what Europe was before before the Holocaust, there have been times where now you can look uh, in the United States where, you know, a freedom of religion has allowed Judaism to flourish there. How is it that we can go and say that it seems the only place that is of importance or that can give us what we need is the land of Israel? And 
I think probably the most important argument is this universe is filled with God's glory. We know from Abraham that everything, whether we're looking at the greatest galaxy or we're looking at a, at, at a tiny blade of grass or to a microscopic organism, God is absolutely everywhere. And if we are saying that God can only be found in the land of Israel, we are limiting God. We're saying God is limited to the Temple Mount or he's limited to the Holy Land. How is it that, that the rabbis could even say such verses? In a nutshell, we need to understand that God is everywhere. Um, the problem is that is the perception of man. Man cannot see everything everywhere. There are certain places that are have, have readily are able to provide much more spiritual illumination than other places. And the land of Israel is one of those. Israel is uniquely suited to... Um, to the perception of holiness. And that's why it says whoever lives outside the land of Israel is like one who has no God. Doesn't mean that you have no God. For sure we have a God. We're living in South Africa. Thank God we've got, we've got shuls and we've got schools and everybody knows about God. It's not that it's as if, meaning that when one, that you can take, let's take an example of a, a swimmer. If you take a, a, an Olympic swimmer and you handcuff them and you say to them, swim, they probably will have the ability and the strength and the tenacity to swim and, and go from one end of the pool to the other. If you uncuff that swimmer, that swimmer will be able to get from one side to the other much quicker, less inhibited, etc. And this really is the example um, to understand this Difference between the land of Israel and outside the land. We can achieve goals outside the land of Israel in Torah, in schools, in education, but with a far greater exertion than if we were in the land of Israel where there is the very air of the land of Israel makes one wise, makes one, one, um, one connected to God. And this is something that is intangible, but people feel it. People feel it when they say, I can't explain it, but I come to Israel and I, I feel there's a difference. I feel alive. I'll come in front of the Kotel. I'll stand by the Western wall, wall and there is absolutely something there that say you won't find by the wall of China. What is it? It's something spiritual. It's something that you can't see with your eyes, but you certainly can feel with the perceptions around you. And this really is why it says that the land of Israel is a place filled w with wisdom and that one who does not live in the land it is as if he has no God, meaning that it's far greater to perceive godliness and be connected to godliness than in the land of Israel where God's presence is felt more. There is something more, but we're going to go for a little break and I'm going to tie it up on a personal level. This is Mystical Text with Adel Kazilski. And we are going to sum up this journeying into the land of Israel with another quote from the Gomorrah of Bava Batra. It says, there is no man who does not have four cubits in the land of Israel, which means even if a Jew never set foot in the land of Israel, never, never much less than purchased a plot in its land, he's considered the owner of four cubits, which is the minimum space in which a person can function according to the Torah. What does that really mean? So in a nutshell and very, very um, curtly, 
We're told that and we learn on a mystical level that every human being is created with his own set of talents, his own handicaps. We've got a whole lot of tools that are given to us to fulfill our spiritual mission. And the measure of potential is uniquely ours. Okay. It's, it's the, we could say in other words, it is the measure of holiness which we were created with in order to reveal and contribute to the fulfillment of the universe. And so on this level, Eretz Yisrael is not only a physical land where we do and we recognize that there is a spirituality there that we cannot access or touch or feel to the extent that we do in outside the land of Israel, but within each and every single one of us, we have an Eretz Yisrael, meaning that Eretz Yisrael is not a geographical entity, um, the the mountains, the valleys, the plain, the sea of Eretz Yisrael are physical manifestations of a spiritual existence. And that is the Eretz Yisrael within each and every one of us. We have a holy land inside each and every one of us. And what we are commanded to do is bring to fruition our portion of holiness anywhere on earth where we find ourselves. So it's not about us. Um, being connected physically to the land, though there is that component on a much, much deeper level, one can only at- attain um, the level of Eretz Yisrael if one looks within oneself, in, in one's Dalad Amot, in one's four cubits of who they are, and they on their land, in our soul, with our soul powers, cultivate, grow, expand, the, 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 the land of, of, of Israel. And really you can see, you can get whatever God has given you and you can create whatever it is you want. You can have, uh, erect a palace and one can erect a, a, a palace that, that is serving to the community or a palace of egotism and that which is theirs. That is really the, the creation of Eretz Yisrael. Eretz is coming from the ver- from the word Ratzon, which is desire. And Yisrael, um, can be seen as the connection of God, of God, of being connected to God. So the desire of God, that, that spiritual land of Eretz Israel is found in each and every one of us. And so the journey of Abraham is very, very pertinent that we are journeying this planet and each of us have our Dalad Amot, our four cubits, where we can use our sphere of influence, we can use our talents and everything that God has given us and how do we go about our daily life and are we influencing our Eretz Israel, our portion of Eretz Israel? When we do that, and I think we've done that to a huge extent, but the last final things to do, we will then um, make this entire world Eretz Israel. And in fact, we are told that Yerushalayim will expand and the whole of Israel will be Yerushalayim and the whole of land of Israel will actually be that world. And so, I leave that with you um, today and leave you with those thoughts. Wishing everybody a wonderful week.